All right, welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. Uh, this is the Monday edition of the flagship podcast, which is the interview edition starting this week. And joining us in our uh, our maiden interview uh, flagship podcast is the one and only Sam Mays, All American offensive lineman from Oklahoma State, now radio star in Oklahoma City in Tulsa on 107.7. The franchise, and he's got uh, the Sam Mays podcast. Never shy, always outspoken. Sam, how you doing, my man? Oh, not too bad at all. It's uh, been what eighteen, nineteen weeks of sports list, sports talk radio. So I think uh, all of us are in the same boat these days. But uh, it's given us a chance to kind of get creative and obviously dive deeper into some of the the sports stories that we are getting uh, at this point. But yeah, I'm not not doing too bad. How are you doing? Well, you know, doing, I'm just acting like football season's going to happen because that's, uh, I, I don't even want to think about the alternative. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm living in my own world. I'm living in the world of we're going to have football. So, uh, Sam, obviously wanted to get you on because so much has been going on at Oklahoma State. And, you know, if you're just talking football, this is an Oklahoma State team that's loaded. I mean, 19 starters back, and Chuba Hubbard, the nation's leading rusher, Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, who's amazing, um, and you know, a defense that looks like it's got. Uh, I mean, it's got playmakers. I mean, uh, Kobe Harvell Peel um, led the Big 12 in passes defended, all that. But then. Like at Texas and other places, we've got uh, the pandemic, and then we've got um, social um, justice issues where students are more empowered than they've ever been. They're making demands. They've made demands at Texas, and uh, and Chuba Hubbard stands up and says, "Okay, uh, I, I'm not I'm not doing anything more with Oklahoma State until I see some changes." After seeing Mike Gundy in the OAN t-shirt and now we've got Mike Gundy taking a million dollar pay cut taking a year off his contract taking less guaranteed money also uh, you know tightening up the the buyout that it would take to get him out of his contract as as a former Oklahoma State All-American on the offensive line Mike Gundy was your offensive coordinator under Les Miles Um, give us your thoughts on the enigmatic Mike Gundy I guess you know, some people are waking up and saying, wait, Mike Gundy? Right. Um, so what? So for the first time since 1960, the, the civil rights conversation is uh, raging here in the U.S. Since George Floyd's murder, you've seen more people uh, that maybe you just didn't expect to have some, I don't want to say, I mean, just some basically wrong thoughts, right? I mean, th- this is a right or wrong conversation. It is wrong to look at me as a colored person, as a black man, and think that I'm anything less than, than you are. That's a wrong thing, right? Uh, OAN preaches some pretty ridiculous things that go against any narrative that any young black kid is going to have on that football team. Um, this, would, this would be like going to your church and your pastor getting up on the stage and having a uh, I'm an atheist t-shirt on and then looking at you and saying it's just a shirt. It's not just a shirt. Like in, in 2020, Mike Gundy is the CEO of a major corporation. And I think probably the best thing that is uh, for us to, to, to compare and contrast is about an hour south, Lincoln Riley has done things perfectly, literally perfectly from COVID-19 through George Floyd's conversation into where we're at today. Oklahoma has handled it in the, in the right way. Mike Gundy, a lot of light, a lot, like a lot of people has 
allowed his personal politics to get into his business world. And the reality is it's no longer safe to be a bigot or racist. And Joe Thomas said it best on Twitter. You have to be anti-racist, right? Like that's the thing. You have to be anti-bigot, anti-racist uh, in 2020, which is a huge step uh, in the right direction. Mike Gundy in 2004 uh, told me to get my black ass back in a huddle. Um, stop practice, basically. People were completely shocked. Uh, Les Miles pulled him over into the corner. Uh, my teammates were like, what are you going to do? It by far was my worst day on campus at Oklahoma State. Uh, and because I only know how to, only knew what I normally would have done in a situation like that is basically just work harder, get back to work and, and move past it because it never really has benefited me as a, a black person to ever really speak up a whole lot. And my coach, my head coach was standing right there in Les Miles. There was training staff around and 60 kids had heard him say it. And Mike apologized for it at the end of the day. And I haven't really thought a whole lot about it since uh, Tuba Hubbard stood up and, and did the right thing, something I probably should have done uh, 20 years ago. So this is a, a, a subject that's extremely important to me. I think a lot of people have got to understand I love Oklahoma State football. Uh, I love college football. It's my favorite sport. It's just different, right? It's a, it's a spectacle. It's the greatest game that's ever been played. And I feel like the Cowboys have got themselves in a tough position here, right? They want to keep Mike Gundy. And if Mike Holder feels like he's done the right thing by, by investigating Gundy and he feels like Mike's getting ready to make some good decisions, then fine. The reality is the problem is much bigger than the head coach now because brown and black people, people in the Fifth Ward in Houston, people in Miami-Dade County, people out there in, in L.A. are going to be looking at the Oklahoma State logo like, what, what, what exactly are you doing there on campus? How is this becoming better? What things have you changed? Uh, how do we know that Oklahoma State is safe for our kids? The Cowboys seem to be burying in their head in the sand about this deal, acting like it'll just blow over. But the reality is Mike Gundy's got to go to my mother. Like, Debbie Mays is not having that dude in the house at this point. Like, not having him in the house. And if she doesn't know the story, Chip, you know this as well as I do, somebody from Texas or Oklahoma or Texas Tech or Iowa State is going to make sure she knows the story, right? That's what negative recruiting is. That's going to happen. So the biggest question from here is how can Oklahoma State get involved in the right conversation, but in a big way, something that's going to give Mike Gundy and this coaching staff some ammunition going into minority homes here in the future. But there's a problem in Stillwater, absolutely. In this, um, and of course, you were at Oklahoma State, um, you redshirted, but you were there uh, 2001 to 2004. Mike Gundy was your offensive coordinator under Les Miles. And that's one of the things that has certainly come up since Chuba Hubbard stood up to Mike Gundy. I mean, Alfred Williams, who played at Colorado, um, and Dan Neal, who's a Longhorn offensive lineman who was who played with Al, Alfred Williams with the Denver Broncos said Alfred Williams is as level-headed as they come. If he says that you know Mike Gundy called him the N-word, then I believe him. And Alfred Williams stood on a wall and said, "I deserve an apology from Mike Gundy." Mike Holder has said, and Mike Gundy has said, you know that didn't happen, and it's been addressed, and all of that. I guess, Sam, based on what you're telling me and your experience and now hearing this, it, I mean, is Mike Gundy a racist or, or what, what's going on here? Because he doesn't do interviews. He used to do interviews. He, you know, he used to come on my radio show in Austin. He doesn't, hasn't for years. I, I don't feel like I know him very well. I know he wins. You know, he's got, what, more 10-win seasons at Oklahoma State than anyone else, and he's got a great team this year it looks like but what what 
I mean, what's going on with Mike Gundy? Do we really know? Yeah, I don't know that we we know, and I'm not going to sit here and call Mike Gundy a, a racist. I, I think that um, you know Mike Gundy clearly has got some views that probably need to be corrected, or at least help him see how you know things maybe hurt some of the players on his team or, or some people uh, in his community, like some of the thoughts that he's having. Um, you know, Mike Gundy's the winningest coach in Oklahoma State history. Mike Holder has raised almost a billion dollars in revenue for Oklahoma State. The university is better because of both of those men, and I'm not going to call for their jobs, and I'm not going to call either one of them racist or, or any of those things. What I do know is there's clearly a disconnect in Stillwater from the head coach uh, to the, the football team, and, and it's not just what we've heard coming out of the COVID era, right? I mean, this is a head coach that was making $5 million a year that did not communicate with his football team. That's insanity. Like, you're literally getting paid to tend to this team. That's a huge problem and probably a fireable offense. Uh, if you are an athletic director, Mike Holder chose to believe Mike Gundy when he said he's going to change. We will see. But, Chip, I think a, a prime example of this disconnect on the football field comes when you and I are sitting in the press box a year ago watching Oklahoma State and, and Texas. And Oklahoma State, the players were all in, right? They played hard. And at one point in that game, had Texas thinking twice about it, right? I thought the Cowboys, if things just would have bounced the right way or, he, or Mike could have gotten – uh, aggressive and called a big play. Oklahoma State has a chance to win that game in Austin. And you just watch these kids give everything and their coach coach like he's at some sort of powder puff football game on campus somewhere. Like it's not even the same. The way they look on the field as players is not the same way they're being coached from the sidelines. And this has happened multiple times over the last decade. Big games, Bedlam games, Texas game, bowl games. He's so conservative. It's just like he's not tied in with that team because they're anything but. He's had great leaders uh, for years and years. He's got another one now. Spencer Sanders is a, uh, a hell of a football player in, in the quarterback position. He's a great athlete. He's got a little bit of gunslinger in him, and he just needs some direction and somebody to keep him in the lanes. I just don't know that, that Gundy, since everything we heard about his relationship with Mason Rudolph not being existence, Brandon Whedon does not like him. Like, for, for, I mean, straight up does not like him. I've had Brandon on the Sam Ace podcast before, and he'll just tell you, just not a, not a great coach and somebody that he had a relationship with Oklahoma State's, and um, that something's got to change between him and those players. And I, like I said, I, to me, it's a fireball offense right now. Like, kids come to school to play for a coach. Chip, you know this. There's no difference between – there's a difference between Texas and 95% of schools. There is. Texas is an absolute juggernaut. They've got facilities. They've got money. They've got celebrities, all the things. But the reality is 95% of the Power Five has great facilities, right? They've got great coaches. They've got great strength and conditioning staff, academics, blah, 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 all these things. Kids come to play for a coach, right? Who's going to come play for Mike Gundy at this point when you've got players saying, we don't know that dude? Right. And on the flip side, Lincoln Riley, everybody's like, yeah, I mean, he's got kids that come out of the program and they will jump through hoops for him today as NFL players like they love him. And when they talk about him, it's very easy to see that they love him. Gundy doesn't have that right now. And he's got to find a way to get it because this season is important. Mike Gundy could be in the Big 12 championship conversation along with Texas and Oklahoma if things go the right way. And he's got this controversy on campus that seems along with the pandemic, along with all the things that are going into it. That seems it might derail this campaign just a little bit. So we will see. Gundy's got to win. He's got to win, and he's got to win like a team with three All-American candidates and three important skill positions should. You know, talking to Sam Mays, uh, All-American offensive lineman at Oklahoma State, and, of course, uh, on uh, the uh, franchise 107.7, 
uh, three to six in the afternoons in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, the Sam Mays podcast as well. And Sam, Chuba Hubbard could have left. I mean, he's the nation's leading rusher. He ran for 2,000 yards. Running backs usually leave early. Probably would have been a, you know, at latest a second round pick, but he chose to come back. And then he's the one that, um, you know, that calls out Mike Gundy on social media and, and, and leads to all this change. What do we know about Chuba Hubbard? And does it, I mean, I don't know if you've talked to him or if he regrets his decision to come back. I mean, obviously they, we haven't even gotten to the football season yet, but you know, he chose to come back. So he obviously saw something in Gundy. Do you think this all started when he started off the press conference in April, when Mike Gundy started off that zoom press conference in April talking um, positively about Donald Trump and, and OAN. And then, you know, uh, uh, sometime later he's, on that fishing boat and the fishing captain posts a picture of Gundy in that OAN t-shirt. And at, at that point, Chuba Hubbard said, okay, enough. Right. I, I think that there is a, you know, if, if I'm telling you a story from 2004 and then you have gentlemen telling you stories from the football field with Mike Gundy, and then there's the Donald Trump conversation at the press conference and the OAN t-shirt, you know, where there's smoke, there's, there's fire. I think this is something that has probably been a part of, uh, Gundy's mindset for a pretty long time now. I don't know when Chuba Hubbard became aware of it or when he decided to uh, stick up, you know, to, to say something about it. But I'm guessing that even now in the last, you know, five years or so that there's been little things that people have seen. That's just me guessing because we have a a, a trail, a breadcrumb trail of things uh, spanning two decades now. So, um, you know, I, I don't know when Chuba decided to make that decision, but I'm happy that he did. You know, I think once again, the, the biggest thing for me uh, as an African-American is, is this conversation is being had publicly now. You know, the thing that frustrates me about that Zoom call is uh, when Mike Gundy said, I wish he would have came to me in private, like this didn't need to be a public thing. And the reality is, yes, it did. It needed to be a public thing. Uh, that's the most important part here because it is no longer safe to be a bigot or a racist. You have to do these things publicly. I wish I would have done it publicly uh, 20 years ago, honestly, Chip, but that, that's the thing. Like, I just, I never felt like I had the power to do that. And this was before Twitter, right? This is before Facebook, um, before people had a, a, by the click of a button, you could reach the world. People are going to listen to Chuba Hubbard. They're going to listen to the kids at Ole Miss. They're going to listen to the kids at Iowa and across the board. This is happening everywhere, right? You're hearing these things. Penn State recently, the coach with the news, the news comment, what are you doing? Like, it's just no, you can't do those things anymore. And I have no problem saying that, uh, they're hurtful. I have no, like, that's the thing that's drove me nuts on social media here lately. You get a lot of guys saying, oh, you look at a big, bad football player hurt by some name, some words. Yeah, I am. You know why? Because my white teammates don't have to deal with that. Why should I? Like, why should I have a coach belittle me in a way because of, the, because of my pigment of my skin? That's crazy to me. Um, I, I think that the more Chuba Hubbard's out there, the better. And, and you know, I think he, he acted when he felt like he had some power to do it, and clearly he does because Oklahoma State has reacted, and they will continue to react to this conversation. Well, everyone is going to measure this Oklahoma State team, um, you know, by the talent that we've already mentioned, and then they're going to try to determine if all this offseason activity has impacted the team and the result. When you look at this Oklahoma State team coming into the 2020 season, where are they strong? Where are they weak or have work to do? And, you know, do you see them in the Big 12 title game? 
Oh, I think defensively, they're probably one of the more underrated defenses in this league. They kind of figure some stuff out down the road. And, and really, you could tell the, the planning per team um, improved quite a bit. It just seems like they were on the field and their original game plan was more effective than it was in the first half of the season. I don't think there's any juggernauts on that defense by any means, but they got a bunch of kids that just want to work hard, right? They've got 11 dudes that are going to be starters at that fly around the football field, they get to the football carrier, and, and they and they tackle surely. Um, consistent defense is almost as important as good defense, right? So I think they're going to be consistently uh, on it defensively this year, probably ranked in your top, th- you know, four, I would say, in the Big 12, four or five in the Big 12, which will help Oklahoma State out. Uh, offensively, retirement of a left tackle here in the last week really puts a big spotlight on that position and that offensive line, I would have told you, uh, prior to that retirement chip, that they would have had one of the top four or five offensive lines uh, in this league also, which is saying a lot here recently when you consider the influx of coaches in the Big 12. you got dudes that want – they want offensive linemen. Uh, they want bruisers. They want run games. Everybody in this league wants to run the ball, uh, and almost everybody wants to run it first. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma State's got one of those better offensive lines if the left tackle was still there. Due to injury, he retires. Who knows what they're going to do at that position at this point. I really don't know that they have somebody – in mine, but Josh Hinson, who's at AM now, and obviously Coach Dickey, who's there now, uh, they bought in some pretty good talent, some local kids too that are pretty good. They've got, they're just young. And so I don't know how ready they are, especially considering we didn't have a spring ball this year. It's like the worst time for this to happen because you didn't have that four weeks of uh, preparation for a kid to step in and, and, you know, who automatically thought, hey, I'm the second team guy. Well, now he's the first team guy. So um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very tough. But yeah, the Cowboys are. I mean, with Chuba Hubbard, Tyler Wallace, and Spencer Sanders, that those three right now should have them in the top three in this league or top four in this league and within striking distance. They've just got to go. It's going to be tough to win games in the Big 12 for teams like Oklahoma State, for Texas, who should win those games. Like, Texas should win a ton of games this year. But there's no guarantee that they're going to get that done. We just don't know, right? I think that there's been a bit of an identity crisis in Austin for almost a decade now, and you wonder if they've finally figured it out. I think that's kind of where Oklahoma State is at right now, like that identity that everybody just thinks is the Mike Gundy offense and things like it's kind of It's kind of all over the place right now. So the coaches are going to have to play huge roles in this, but the Cowboys should be there at the end. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Sam Mays, and, uh, and we'll ask him about Mike Yersich, the new offensive coordinator, Uh, at Texas, who, of course, spent six years with Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. All right, back with Sam Mays, um, All-American offensive lineman at Oklahoma State. You hear him on the uh, 107.7, the franchise in in Oklahoma City and Tulsa, and on the Sam Mays podcast. And um, Sam, Mike Yersich, you know him well. He he put up big numbers um, and was the offensive coordinator for Mike Gundy for six years from 2013 to 2018. Tom Herman is now turning to Mike Yersich uh, in a critical year with a four-year starter at quarterback and, um, you know, a, a, an offense that, that should um, be prolific. And, and, and so I want to get your thoughts on that hire and what you thought of Mike Yersich while he was at Oklahoma State. Um, okay, so Mike Yersich, prior to Oklahoma State, was the OC at a university called Shippensburg, right? This is a liberal yes, arts was. school. Yeah, this is a liberal arts school in western Pennsylvania. There's like a total of 10,000 students there. If you asked all 10,000 students who Mike Yersich is, they would have no idea, right? Um, coming from a former player who has 
I, I know what it is to to rise to Division One football as a player. I've watched GAs and uh, former players become coaches over the years. That is a difficult thing to do, right? It is a difficult thing to do to become a Division One coordinator. Yersich goes from making $35,000 at Shippensburg to getting a half a million dollars at Oklahoma State to be a yes man. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I have no idea what Mike Yersich is, is capable of as an offensive coordinator. Uh, I think that he was a puppet when he was in Stillwater. I think Mike Gundy called the plays the majority of the time. I think that this is a, uh, a, a guy that will literally just look at, like, like Dana Holgerson doesn't want Gundy in a meeting, right? Doesn't, Larry Fedora didn't want Gundy in the meeting. So those are great offensive minds. I think when you saw what he did at Ohio State, once again, surrounded by a bunch of great coaches on a great football team with great players, do we know that Mike Yersich is a good coordinator? We do not know that. We have no idea. But the Mike Gundy offense, which is a culmination of a bunch of great minds like, like, uh, like uh, Munkin and Fedora and Holgerson, uh, that's the Mike Gundy offense. Those three dudes and whatever dust Gundy spread on it. Chippensburg had no idea what he was doing in Stillwater until the end. I feel like when he maybe got a little bit of the reins, but the quarterback position struggled at Oklahoma state while he was here. I, I'm not, I couldn't believe Texas hired him to be completely honest. I couldn't believe Ohio state hired him to be completely honest. Um, so I am, this is to me, one of the biggest stories in the big 12 is can Mike Yersich renovate a Texas offense that needs a little help. It does period. It needs to be a little bit more dynamic than it is. Uh, this Texas and Georgia aren't too far off. As far as I mean, Georgia is not nearly as dynamic as Texas, but you get it, right? That offense should be better. It should be more um, aggressive and more heavy hitting or hard hitting, and it's just not right now. Um, can Mike Yersich find a way to do it? Chip, we're going to find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, everything I'm hearing is he's been take charge, and, um, you know, Tom Herman, Tom Herman needs that. Tom Herman should have fired Tim Beck after the 10 win season when he knew Beck wasn't calling the plays anymore much like Ed Orgeron uh, after a 10-win season went and got Joe Brady, and then LSU goes on to win the national championship. Tom Herman's offense, meanwhile, got defenses caught up to it the second half of last season. They were ahead of Tom Herman. He couldn't adjust. Uh, Ellinger looked bad in the, in the process. Ellinger didn't just turn into a bad quarterback. He was, he was not getting the adjustments, and they were not ready for the OU game. Obviously, 15 tackles for loss, nine sacks in that game. So it's going to be interesting. It sounds like the players are buying into Yersich and they feel like he's a take-charge guy. And, and then we'll see. I mean, if we get this season and September 12th happens at LSU, we're going to know right then and there because um, going into Death Valley, that'll, that'll test everything you've got right there. Sam, you played for Les Miles. Les Miles is back in the Big 12. Uh, had a big, well, nice win at Boston College last year for Kansas. And, um, and, and it was a, a struggle, as we presumed it would be. What did you see from Les Miles uh, in year one at Kansas heading into year two? So Les Miles comes into Big 12 Media Days uh, a year ago. And I think I might have told you the story when we were actually there. Uh, and I, you know, I... Les left Stillwater and, and kind of, uh, I mean, it wasn't the, the greatest way ever. And I was still a little bit miffed about it. Like, it came out of nowhere. It would have been one of those things if he would have just sat down and said, look, LSU called, we would have all been like, cool. Um, but instead, there was a little bit of deceit, and we didn't really get to speak to him afterwards. And there were some things that he probably needed to say to that team my senior year that he'd never said. 
And so I walk up to him at Big 12 Media Days, and I, I go to, you know, I'm still a little bit annoyed, and I wanted to talk to him. And he gives me the biggest hug and just disarms me immediately. And I'm like, damn it. You know, that's, that's my football coach, you know. Uh, and the, the things that he said about that Kansas football team after that were amazing. Like, Les Miles believes that he's got some dudes at Kansas. Like, when Les Miles looks at – I can't think of the kid's name, but left tackle for TCU a year ago was a specimen, right? Big NFL uh, draft pick type of kid, right? Les looks at me, looks at him and says, I got dudes like that on my campus. And I'm like, really, coach? You got guys like that on your campus? And he's like, yeah, I've got guys like that. Les My Bottom line is Les Miles believes. Les Miles believes in the game. He believes in the process. He believes in the practice. He believes in the and the eating the grass and, and snorting the dirt and just the love and the, the beautiful things about this game. He's a purist. Like he's a football purist. So when Les Miles shows up to Stillwater in 2000 and he walks into the meeting room for the first time and all the white kids in the first three rows and all the black kids from the last three rows, there was a row between us, the craziest thing you'll ever see. And as a true freshman, I was like, what is happening? Why does it look like this? And Bob Simmons left it like that for an entire year. Les comes in in January and says, here's your number. Sit in these seats. Number the room. Changed the seating order and made us all sit next to each other. And from there, Oklahoma State went to the bad news, from the bad news bears to a Orange Bowl or Fiesta Bowl candidate. If we would have just beat Vince Young in Texas my junior year. Like, that's how quickly he turned that thing around because he made us believe in ourselves. He recruited pirates. He didn't go get big or fast or he got mean. Kids showed up. They wanted to get in fistfights. He will find a way to recruit that type of kid at Kansas, a bunch of blue-collar farm boys, and he will win games there, period. Bottom line, because he will make them believe that they can at that university. And next year, last year was a, a good sign of that. You could see it. They were hanging out in games. They were sticking in there. They fought for four quarters. Like, how often do you see teams just look like hell when they're not good? Think about Baylor when I was on the football field, how bad they were. Like, kids just telling you they don't want to play. They don't want to be at the coin toss. They don't want to show up that Kansas isn't playing inspired football. And here in a couple of years, they will absolutely be beating teams they should. Yeah, they, they almost beat Texas. They had Texas right. fans apoplectic. Um, Ellinger had to drive the length of the field to a game-winning field goal uh, by Cameron Dicker to get out of that game alive. So uh, Texas fans know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Sam, when you look at the Big 12, what do you think? I mean... You, you you know, Lincoln Riley's got it going, but he's got a first-time starter at quarterback for the first time in four years. He's had transfers, all of whom went to the Heisman ceremony, two of whom won it and went on to become the number one pick in the draft. He's recruiting like crazy. Um, his defense improved under Alex Grinch last year. Um, you know, what what do you see? Who do you see in the Big 12 title game? Oh, I think it's Oklahoma's back um, for sure. You know, I think that the defense will probably be the, the leader this year a little bit. I'll probably set the tone for that offense when you consider Spencer Rattler and, and being as young as he is. That kid's got an ego chip that you and I don't even understand. Like, you can take both of our egos and combine them, and they wouldn't be as big as Spencer Rattler's. That kid thinks he's the next greatest thing in football, and he's at the right place to feel that way as a quarterback. He could take the field and light the entire – darn college football scene on fire this year he could absolutely be a Heisman Trophy winner he's got that type of ability the reality is they've got to protect him and the offensive line in Norman is still a question Bill Beatonville two years ago walking off the field at, at Texas told me because I was talking about Orlando Brown and Cody Ford and I was like man coach those kids are 
pretty incredible. And he said, man, I got my work cut out for me the next couple of weeks or years. And it wasn't because the kids they recruited were bad. They just weren't Orlando Brown and Cody Ford, which were monsters of men, right? They were violent monster men. And he doesn't necessarily have those guys outside of the center um, right now. So I'm, I would be curious to know how good Oklahoma's offensive line is. And if they are, I think Oklahoma's a big 12 championship game. Good for sure. The question is, is that line good enough for the first time? Uh, is it good enough to actually com- contend with Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson, you know, the big boys, semifinal games? But, yeah, they'll be in a conversation for the Big 12. They should be win every game in this league. Uh, Texas will contend. Oklahoma State will contend. But I think a lot of that comes down to Tom Herman and Mike Gundy. Like, that's the thing, right? Is Oklahoma State and Texas football teams good enough to beat OU this year? The answer is yes. But are their coaches good enough to beat Lincoln Riley is the question. Yeah, no question. And it's funny you say that about Spencer Rattler because I remember talking to Tanner Mordecai coming out of the under light under the lights camp at Texas. And I said, Tanner, how'd it go? And he's like, Oh, I was easily the best player here. I mean, not even close. Oh, you're right. I mean, that guy's as confident as it comes. So uh it's gonna be fun to see what Lincoln Riley can do with those with those quarterbacks. Sam. Great stuff. I know you're going 100 miles an hour. Really appreciate the time. And uh, thanks so much for the time on the the Horns 24-7 flagship podcast, my friend. No problem, buddy. I appreciate it. You have to repay the favor one of these days. You got it. Anytime. There he is, folks. Sam Mays, All-American at Oklahoma State on the offensive line, breaking it down for you. Everything from Mike Gundy uh, to Mike Yersich to... Uh, Les Miles and the Big 12 picture as he sees it. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Flagship Podcast. We'll uh, we'll be back with another great interview uh, next Monday. Stay tuned. Stay safe and keep the faith.